If you remember, last Sunday we reflected on the need of, for ambitions. God created us with, with this desire to achieve and to succeed, to excel in what we do, even if excellence comes after much discipline and effort. So ambition, we agreed, is to be encouraged. Someone without ambition has no inner fuel to overcome laziness and mediocrity. But we also saw the need to recognize when our ambitions were self-centered, rectify them by orienting them to service, and surrendering them to God. Recognize, rectify, surrender was the path proposed to purify our hearts without diminishing our ambitions. Recognize, rectify, surrender. A purified heart is a humble heart, but at the same time, an ambition, ambitious heart. Aquinas says that humility and magnanimity always go together. They are like two sides of a coin. We need humility, he explains, to adjust our ambitions according to our reality, according to who we are before God. When we put ourselves before the love of God existentially from our heart, we can accept who we are with our talents, with our limitations, and our mission in life. We are who we are before God, and it's a loving knowledge, it's a loving lesson. We learn to ambition according to who we are, according to our own place, according to our own state, age, background, and mission. So humility helps us to be realistic, to be in touch with our, with our own identity. It keeps us rooted in the soil, the humus of our life. Psalm 131 says, listen, it's very beautiful. It says, Lord, my heart is not proud, nor my eyes haughty. I do not busy myself with great matters, with things too sublime for me. Rather, I have still my soul like a weaned child to its mother. Weaned is my soul. The psalmist feels cuddled in the love of God. And because he feels that love, he can become like a little child on her on his mother's lap, ambitioning not what is beyond his reach. He's secure, so to say, in that place. And because he feels secure, he can be at peace with who he is. How much anxiety we could be spared of if we were humbler? How much peace would we enjoy if we were happy with our heritage, with our lot? So this is humility, right? It keeps us rooted in who we are and at peace and happy with who we are. But then Aquinas says that side by side with humility, we need magnanimity. It's another virtue. And through this virtue, we learn to push those limits, to trust in the grace of God and embark ourselves in the adventure of holiness and discipleship which often leads us to conceive ambitious projects for the kingdom. Holiness and discipleship is not something that affects our own individual life, but often 
throws us into an adventure that affects many people as well, as we are led by God. I recently met a gentleman that wants to begin a Catholic school in California. I, I met him a couple of years ago, but I reconnected with him, and he wants to begin a school K through 12, and he wants the St. John Society, the community that I belong to, to help him on that project. So he was saying to me, we, we did a Zoom meeting, and he was saying, he was trying to envision me with his ambition. So he wants this, the curriculum for the school to be integrated with the Catholic faith so that every subject that they study is somehow inspired by the light of our faith. He wants the students to have access to the classics, to the very best text of our Western uh, tradition. He wants to the faculty of this staff, the faculty of the school to be in love for Christ and families to choose the school precisely because of that. It should be academically excellent and on fire for evangelization, attracting people from all over the area. And then when the school is up and running, he wants to begin a college, has this ambition of beginning a university after the school. So I, as I was listening to him, I was thinking to myself, is this man in touch with reality? It's a, it's a very important question, right? And I think he is. I think he is. Because I, I saw that he is a humble man. So because he's humble, he's able to assess his capacities, assess his human resources, assess the reality, and also he's able to rectify his ambition that this school should be for the glory of God and the education of so many kids and not for his own glory. And he's able to surrender this ambition to God. So at the end of the day, he can sleep in peace. But he's also magnanimous because he's willing to take the first step towards such an ambition, ambitious project. I think he will be successful. Hopefully we can give him a hand. We'll see. So how can, we, how can we be humble and magnanimous at the same time? And the answer is by knowing existentially again that without God, one can achieve nothing. But with God, we can do amazing things. Through humility, we know that without the grace of God, we can do nothing. We can achieve zero fruits for the kingdom without him. For sure, we can have some human success apart from God, but only partially, and not in the line of holiness, not in the line of his kingdom. And if we serve his kingdom, it's only accidentally, because God can always work with us and through us. Jesus is very clear. He says, without me, you can do nothing. John 15.5. I remember as a young man, I used to struggle with this line of Jesus because I used to think to myself, I can do many things without Jesus. I can achieve many things on my own. But then as I grew up, became older, I realized why Jesus says that. We can do nothing that is really fruitful from his own perspective, from the perspective of the kingdom. We depend so much on the grace of God 
on the orientation of his word, revealed word, on the strengthening power of the community and the nurturing of the sacraments, all of which connects us to the risen Lord. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. It's only united with me that you will bear fruit. What can we do without him? A side effect of this knowledge that we can do nothing without him is that, we are, is that we are not surprised or scandalized by any confusion or darkness that we see around. It's not surprising because we also recognize that we would be in that same situation had not God reached out to us first. Whatever we have achieved in the line of the kingdom is from him. It's the grace of God. And because we expect less from the world apart from God, we learn to appreciate any goodness that we can find, any good deed that is performed. Jesus says, whoever is not against us is for us. As long as someone who is not his or her disciple is not directly against his teaching, he's willing to appreciate and highlight every good deed, even if it's just a glass of water offered freely. Again, anyone who gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ, amen, I say to you, will surely not lose his reward. So Jesus' attitude to the world is very friendly. After all, he came not to condemn the world, but to save the world. He came to call sinners to himself. So he approaches the world through its best side, so to say, trying to see and, and highlight any goodness that he can find. And we should do the same after him, humbled by the knowledge of our own weakness had we not been redeemed by Christ. Aware of the fact that what could we do without him? But then in this gospel, Jesus changes his tone. After the first two lines, he says, he becomes more demanding with his disciples. He says, don't you dare scandalize one of these little ones who came to faith. He's addressing the ones who should be good role models, an example to the fresh Christians. So he says, take care of them. Don't confuse them. You have a responsibility. And then he's even stronger. He says, if your eye, feet, or hand is an occasion to sin, pluck it out, cut it off. Fight against any sinful tendencies that you find in yourself. Why is that? Because he expects a lot from his disciples. The more ambitious you are, the more ambitious are your desires for the kingdom, the more you should fight against sin. If this gentleman that I was telling you about finally founds and begins his Catholic school, and if this project grows, he really needs to work on his interior life. He needs to be on guard, vigilant, alert of his eyes, feet, and hand. The higher you want to be lifted up, the higher you want to reach with your ambitions for the kingdom, the deeper you need to be rooted in the humus of your life and of Jesus Christ. The needed, 
the deeper you need to be rooted in humility. It's like Mary. Mary was so aware of her nothingness, but at the same time, she was able to say, all generations will call me blessed. She was humble and magnanimous at the same time. Jesus expects little from the world, but he expects a lot from his disciples, from us. Has given us a lot and expects from us a lot. He counts on us. Think about that. To carry out his work in the world. The providential plan that the Father has for the world run, runs through Jesus' disciples' hearts through ordinary faithful people who are the salt of the earth and light of the world. He said so. He stared at his disciples who were no ones at that time and age and said, you are the salt of the, salt of the earth and the light of the world. You are the ones who make a difference. The kingdom of the Father that you are praying every day to come will come through your life to the world. This the beginnings of that kingdom until he comes again. Often he wants to achieve through us great things if we're willing to undertake the discipline of Christianity. These days I learned about another gentleman from Argentina that came to Florida many years ago. He became a very successful businessman. And then one day, inspired by his faith, he decided to begin visiting the homeless with his wife. Long story short, they began a nonprofit that is helping hundreds of homeless in the area, providing them with housing, work opportunities, spiritual guidance, and community. A big project that began very humble, humbly, step by step. High ambitions for the kingdom, deeply rooted in the conscience of our weakness, of our nothingness without God. Humble and magnanimous. Both things are needed. To wrap it up, if we want to stay humble, we should repeat often, without me, you can do nothing. We should repeat like a mantra, like a Christian mantra, those words of Jesus. Without me, you can do nothing. But if we want to stay magnanimous, we could use the words of St. Paul, also revealed. I have the strength for everything through him who empowers me. I can do anything with God. If you're only humble, we run the risk of settling for less, not bearing all the fruit that we could. If you're only magnanimous, we run the risk of relying too much on our own strength and talents, and by doing so, we uproot ourselves from Christ and run the risk of neglecting the fight against sin in our life, taking it for granted, thinking that we are stronger than we are, becoming imprudent and prideful and stupid. So this is the beauty of discipleship. We can say to God, without you, Lord, nothing. But with you, great things. I can be ambitious and realistic at the same time. Ambitious without pressure, and humble without mediocrity. May God give us this wisdom tonight.